0: I hate the preface that we have to like someone for them to be free. I think we're still in this space with trans people where they have to be inspiring in order for us to care about them. Yeah. And I care about the boring trans people. I care about the, the trans people that right. aren't nice and polite to you. I feel like within a liberal fear of feminism, no one thinks they're transphobic, right? Everyone thinks they're, it's all the questions start from how do I become a better ally? Assuming that you're not an oppressor in the first place. Right. And what I saw when I was throwing a burger at, in broad daylight was there was 200 people that all looked very, very different, do nothing. Mixed races, mixed ages, mixed genders, right? Like right? Really, really across the board. And around. when I was being harassed whilst having this book, you know,
1: yeah.
0: most of the harassment that I document in this book happened from other cis women. Not because I'm not harassed by men, yeah. but what I was more interested in talking about was like, hold on a minute, we don't often get to talk about the nuances in our violence, right? We talk about big, scary men. Yeah. And that's it. But yeah. but actually, for trans people, violence is coming from all angles and all spheres. And my violence normally comes from people that look like the middle class theater crowd that also celebrate me and call me inspiring.
2: Hello, it's S. Hi. Get on doing? in. Thank you so much for being patient. Hi. <laughs> no, it's
0: okay. Hi. How you doing? Hi. Lovely to meet you. Travis. Hey, hi, Travis. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Cool. Um, Hi, I'm Travis Labanza. Um, I'm an artist, writer, performer. and a troublemaker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and fuck. Welcome to... I'm going to be able to start again. No, I'm- just saying. I'm just And you're listening to Handful of wheels. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Perfect.
0: <laughs> no. That was, was really good. That was really good. <laughs> Like, sit- no one in London, so, so, like, like so many I of their fans
2: and cool. followers, <laughs> I became aware of Travis Alabanza and their body of work through social media, um, Instagram to be exact. And like all of the other rides Moran and I conducted this season, Travis was a total dream guest, someone I'd wanted to speak to for a long time, but never thought I would actually get to. They're like super duper busy. And as you can tell from their accent, not from around here. Lucky for us, the stars aligned. When I contacted Travis's agent, it turned out they were in the States on a month-long tour.
0: I, um, I've been here for a month and a half now. Oh, so There's no, jet lag. <laughs> so there's
2: no jet It's lag. kind
0: of done. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, <laughs> like we'll just forget I said storm. that.
0: <laughs> but I mean, getting up early is still hard. But I've been on tour for like a month now. So I've been doing like 5 a.m. flights most days last week. So oh my I'm okay with this. This time is a late.
2: We caught them at the tail end of their whirlwind visit the day before they left for London to embark on putting together an ambitious new stage show, Burgers, which you'll hear more about later in the episode. The day of this ride was cold, blustery, and rainy, springtime in New York City. Maura and I met Travis on the Upper East Side and then made our way along the river. Our conversation about Travis's process, touring, the evolution of their art and activism provided just the vibrance we needed on a gray day.
0: still work with the mentality as if i've just started and i'm worried that i'm gonna get what my next paycheck is and i think this 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 actually tore away was a really good way of checkpointing my last two years and being like yeah you're not in the same position that you were and you can afford to create new boundaries for yourself and your work mm. and that i'll make better work when i'm rested do you know what i mean yeah, like that's the yes. thing like i'll make better work when I'm rested, and now it's about longevity, yes. right? Whereas before it was like, oh my god, I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm like earning and money and it. Wow, okay. And now it's actually like, okay, like I want to be around for a while. Right. How do I make interesting work? for a long time and right. it's not going to be from being this busy no, <laughs> no
1: it's just totally not I like message
0: my friends like hey I think I need a break when I come back and they're like no shit <laughs> it's so funny when you
1: say things like we, it's like a huge realisation about yourself mm-hmm. and then you check in with friends or family or whatever whoever your support is and they're just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've been saying that for Literally. months and they're like when was somebody going to fucking share this with me yeah. mm-hmm.
0: I'm not glamorising being busy anymore yeah, I'm right. so over it like yeah. I'm so over yeah. that being something to celebrate yeah. and instead like wanting to celebrate someone taking time off and right. like celebrating yeah, someone like being like no I'm gonna give myself a regular holiday Right. and like no I said no to this thing the other day and I'm not doing it congrats like well done how yes. does that feel <laughs> Zero guilt. yeah so right. I'm trying to like really shift the the feeling I have about being busy. Yeah. And this really cemented it for me. <laughs> I was like, okay, I just can't do it anymore.
2: Right. Um,
0: you know, like, I'm just like, wow, I've been, like, touring for, like, a year and a half now.
2: Yeah. No. Okay, so I love it when artists, especially established ones like Travis, perpetuate this idea of taking time off, resting. Basically, it's the anti-starving artist sentiment. And as more and I found out early on in our conversation with them, a lot of Travis's work has dealt with advocacy for transparency in their community interestingly as travis explained this work to gain accountability from galleries and other employers is often not at the forefront when the speaker performed to audiences
0: it's really interesting i feel like what i've learned on this tour that doesn't so much happen in the uk but it's definitely happened here is that often these college students aren't really actually interested in a lot of my work they're interested in like the political ideas that my work represents or mm-hmm. is saying so mm-hmm. i find it um i found it really refreshing at, at wellesley college all the questions in the question and answer were about my art and my process <laughs> and i then had that realization oh wow all these questions have not been here before and i think so often because of my gender nonconformity, my transness that's all anyone will talk about in the question and answer and yeah. I'll get questions about the bathroom bill or like all these like gender recognition act or these things, and and often don't get the chance to talk about like my craft. Um, So it was really nice in the moment at one of the stops in the tour when someone just like asked me like, "Oh, what's your process for editing?" and I was like so shocked uh. by this like question <laughs> right. but then i was like wow i never get asked about the craft yes. or like the labor of work that goes into an artist or this yes um so now i don't really get to talk about it much here i think in the uk i definitely think there's um there's been more i've, I've been around longer there so i've been able to have these kind of conversations um i'm, st- I'm definitely interested in like Uh, there was an artist called Paula Varjak in the UK who did this work called Show Me The Money and it was documenting 300 artists and how they get paid and what they get paid. Oh,
2: I love that. And
0: it really, and I was a a part of the interview process for that and it really shifted. That was a year and a half ago where I really started wanting to talk about not just the work that we were making but how we were working, who was paying us and how much we were getting paid. Yeah. So I started posting live all my fees that I got from all the big institutions that I was working with. Yeah and giving all the emails with the contact details yes. that I got to be booked by them. Yes. And that became more of my process, especially because I wasn't making new work as much last year because I was working a lot. Yeah. I was like, how do I do something creative that still feels like new work to me? Right. And I became really obsessed with like, okay, I'm a kid from a housing project that has no formal training and I'm suddenly in the Tate and in the V&A and all these spaces. Yes. I clearly got here somehow from work but also from connections yep. how do I open this up to everyone else and make this part of the process yeah. so I started just blasting out the institutions <laughs> right. saying how much they were all paying me double checking on panels that the other artists were being paid the same as me and that became much of my practice it's I, like
1: a living breathing database yeah
0: I became like really obsessed with yeah. my pro like with my not seeing my ethic as separate from my practice of my art yes. and that being a part of it like like and then institutions knew when they worked with me that they knew that emails would be on blast. And they knew that I would be directly saying how much I got paid.
2: Totally transparent. Asking
0: every single yeah, artist so on their is. thing if they're being paid the same. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there was lots of times when there was a real pay imbalance between different people. And it wasn't always consistent. Sometimes I was being paid less. Sometimes I was being paid more than others. Yeah. Um, and it's horrible. And it's like it's a really like unfair thing. So I think I to- I love talking about it. And I think artists... Don't talk like I think it's certain artists talk about it loads, and certain artists don't. And I would love to see that become normalized, because I think as freelancers, it's hard to unionize. It's hard to create a standardized thing of pay and things. And it came with a privilege, right? It came with a privilege of being like I've been working here in these places for four or five years. Let me know. They know what I do. Now I can do this. I would never have done that when I was first starting. Yeah. Right. Right. That
1: makes a lot of sense. That's just. That's just smart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Like they're saying, this isn't Travis's first time around the block, and everything from their audiences to their projects to the kinds of change they're able to affect has grown. With this growth has come the separation of making things and then critically reflecting on them. Travis has been out talking, meeting, and proving to all these students that they are a real person and not just an Instagram page. And as Travis explains in the next segment of the interview, there is a power in that. And then, in direct opposition to this act of touring, is the creative process of making, of generating new work, which often takes place alone in the studio. So how do these two processes interact for Travis? How does one feed the other? Travis was generous in explaining exactly how their stage show is coming together. We talk about everything from the finances and logistics to who's doing social media and PR. And it's clear that all these pieces of touring and speaking, critical reflection and creative work, are coming together to make something big. Take a listen.
0: I do college stuff back home, but I think with college stuff, what I do is I like, it's also older work. So I'm re-showing my book that I published a year and a bit ago, which in the UK has had quite a lot of space and time and been shown a lot, but here in the US um, hasn't. This is has been like my first time with it. and got um, the book out it's basically like a Ooh. book of work and poetry um but here i like um create like a set and performance around that but it's mainly just me reading from this which yeah. a lot of them come with the book or already whereas in the uk um my work is based in like theater yeah. and spaces so i have set and i have like it's more of a performance less of like a reading yeah um here it's a lot more talking um a lot of the places that have booked me are, like, feminist groups on campus or queer groups on campus. Yep. So they want to hear me talk about the queer issues that I talk about online or that I do, like, I write about. So it's a lot more, like, i say it's a lot less focused in performance and a lot more focused in, like, like your me, life. like, talking. Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, it's... it's, It was a nice change to begin with, but after a month, you're like, okay, I really reaffirmed that I'm definitely an artist first. Yeah. And, like, thinking is part of my art, but it's, like, not my first thing. Right. And this tour really, like, reaffirmed it, so I'm quite glad. Like, it's made me want to go back and just go straight into the studio, which is great, which is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, which
1: is exactly what you hope um, a month of burning yourself out might do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you ready yeah, for yeah, the like studio. you feel like, it's going to be so good. I'm going to be, like, a phoenix from the ash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, it's is fun. Really it's really exciting. Like, it's really nice to, like, um, go to these spaces and see like other gender non-conforming people that have connected with stuff that you've said yeah. and I think it's really nice to bridge the the gap from Instagram to in real life <laughs> <laughs> right like for them to see a nuanced person in front of them right rather than like the insta feed that they've maybe been following
1: yeah which could be flat sometimes can be flat which we feel is round but in actuality it's just right. this yeah, one yeah,
0: yeah, dimension yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah like it's so nice to be able to laugh people make some jokes yes. show like some nuance in a conversation yeah Like I did my first theatre show, like, that was public and out there two and a half years ago, and it was, like, me and one other friend doing everything with, like, you know, how it often was, just, like, no money, making, like, whatever, and this is my first time having being supported by like two major theaters and having funding so and having time and and space so luckily like we have a PR team we have all of that and it's 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 really interesting because I think I never thought I would have that and now I'm like wow this really enables me to make better work and it's such a shame that that's the correlation, but but it, it has allowed me, like, space to really just focus on making the work. The way it works in the UK often, to get funded, because we have, like, a central arts funding in the UK. Yeah. Funding works really differently. Like, it's a lot more common to get funded in yeah. the UK. We have Arts Council. Right. Which is, like, a separate NGO that, like, funds millions and millions of pounds worth of art every year. Right. And you can live off of being funded by the Arts Council. Like, people have their own salaries from Arts Council. Yeah. There's really good artists, we always call them the funding girls, that are like just incredible at making their whole life live off of this funding, right? And don't have to, don't do or don't choose to go down the route of doing lots of like public shows and performances because they've mastered a way of being like an Arts Council funded person. Um, This is the first time I'm going to be funded uh, publicly, um, which is quite interesting because I think a lot of people had assumed I'd been funded already, but it was quite good for me to be to build up a, a reputation for four years without funding. Cause it meant that when I went for something, you know, this is like plus 40,000 pounds, they funded it straight up. Wow. Um, so it's great cause it means that I can have a team, but I had to do a scratch. So like last year I had to do a show on 500 pounds and show the funders what they would be funding, yes. invite the theaters in. And that was really fun because it also meant that all the team had seen the show in a scratch form. So they saw what I was trying to do. They knew me and then from that scratch, I like met with them lots of times, invited them to my shows. Maybe like when I was doing a solo performance somewhere else would be like, hey, to the lighting designer, like, hey, do you want to try lighting this? So it's like workshopping. Workshopping, like yeah. what would happen and let's see what happens when we disagree with something. Yeah. That was like my main thing. I was like, I want you to make a choice that I'm going to disagree with yeah. so I can see what our process is when we disagree. Yeah. Um, like I don't want to be a hands back person and let the PR right. do everything because I've been doing my own PR for years and like done okay with it. So I was really like, I want to be involved. There's some things I'm like, do you know what you go? I don't know how to do any of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff like PR and aesthetic and set and costume, no, you I can like. Do it. Yeah, I'm so aesthetic is such a huge part of what I do that I really wanted to get the right team. Um, but we have great people in the mix and like i'm really excited i wanted to pick people that all had their own solo practices so that it wasn't just like it was people that are used to making their own work too
1: right
0: and have this as like their main job or their side hustle yeah
1: because
0: i really love working with other solo artists i think they bring such a, a commitment to what they're doing and in the sense i wanted it to feel like everyone's show yeah and i wanted to feel mm-hmm. like everyone has a stake in what's happening on stage right um so yeah i'm really excited for burgers i'm really scared I'm really really scared i find some of it really fun i love when people that only know me from online see me live yes. i absolutely love it because i love the moment of being like wow you thought you were gonna get this and this is what you're actually getting
1: yeah, yeah.
0: i think it's became hard like expectation something i'm dealing with so much more now yes. before i would be like really fearlessly like kind of blind in what i did because i had no self-awareness or expectation of how I was being perceived yeah. so I did like there was a time when I like would really just put out work whatever and wouldn't really think and some of it was really good some of it was really bad as it always is <laughs> I think now when like I know that something like you know when you have like 20,000 followers or something like that and you know that something you post is gonna be viewed by this many people yeah. or you do a show and it sells out in like two days and you're like damn, like, how does this, this yes. feel? It's definitely a new pressure. Yeah. But this is why I'm looking forward to burgers because I think it's going to be nice after this two years at this kind of pace yeah. to reshift how people are viewing me
1: mm.
0: and to make work that's reflective of this, how people are viewed me, right? Like, to, to, to critique on what what's happening and to be able to be a bit clever in... in how I'm being perceived as as a person in the last year or so, and what yeah. what that's done, and and be a bit more. Um, I think people have gotten really comfortable with with uh, with seeing me talk about trans issues in a certain way. And what's really exciting about burgers is that maybe on the surface it doesn't feel like a show that's about transness, um, which yeah, is fun. Tell me a little bit about it. So burgers um, is about. It is about a moment where someone threw a burger at me in broad daylight and called me a tranny. So in the basis of it, <laughs> oh. in like, yeah, 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 yeah. So someone, uh, two and a half years ago, it's actually the reason I made this book, mm-hmm. um, in broad daylight, someone threw a burger at me, called me a tranny mm-hmm. on a really bu- busy street in London. Uh-huh. No, loads of people saw no one did anything. And then I made the book, Before I Step Outside, You Love Me, that from that moment documented my experience of being outside in the last five months. Um, like, physically
1: outside. Physically, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: th- all of this was written on public transport or whilst outside. Yeah. Oh. And it was, like, my response to that was to document, well, this wasn't the first time that this has happened to me in yeah. terms of, like, who else is... What what else is happening to people outside? So this yeah. book's kind of about mine and other trans people's experiences outside.
1: Yeah. Whereas
0: Burgers as a show is more looking at complicity and, and, the, and the silence surrounding violence. But the way it's going to be happening is... I guess, I guess eventually the show's about harassment. Eventually yeah. the show's about that act. But really what the, what the show's really looking at is like, okay, we're in a room full of 100 people. Um, who does what and why do we do that? Yeah. And when will someone stand up and say this is enough? Yeah. Um, so it's looking at... Uh, uh, mainly it's a... I guess the copy at the moment is saying Burgers is about dodging things. Um, it's about an oh. obstacle course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a lot more experimental. And it's basically going to be looking at moments of silence. And it's kind of set in this game show esque. Uh, environment uh-huh. uh, that's kind of this surreal world. It's going to be very pop party, everything. So the set that we made for The Scratch was like this giant, huge burger bun. Uh-huh. that was a target board with my head on it. Uh-huh. that spins and lights up. And when you walk in, everyone gets these like plastic burger boxes um, with these like burgers made out of like paper mache cushions. Yeah. And in them has like a set of instructions um, throughout the show. And then basically the show is kind of this game show where you're throwing these paper burgers at this target board and there's actions that happen because of the throwing. And it's this game show that dips in and out of, like, interrogation of the audience. Yeah. To then me giving theory about trans stuff, but in this style that feels quite comedic.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I have my two lovely burger bun assistants. Um, <laughs> who are these two? Um, I picked two cis white women to play these two burger buns uh-huh. next to me. And the idea is that as the show continues, it becomes less of an enjoyment thing and we start to feel quite sick about being in the room.
1: Right, it's um, like almost like you're testing your audience yeah, to yeah. see like, when they break.
0: Yeah, it's like really mean. So my yeah. plan for the show was to be mean. And was <laughs> right. for, my, my, my goal is that I want people to want to leave 10, 15 minutes before like really the end. Like, and I wanted this moment because I wanted them to be able to talk about trans issues yeah. and not have to be nice. I think yeah. so often when we talk about trans things, we're still at a stage where a lot of our art has to be confessional and focused on our trauma in a very like, I'm hurt. I'm human. Oh my God, like, yeah. Like pity me, Yeah. Uh, be inspired by my trauma. Yeah. Tell me I'm brave. Yeah, yeah That's like the yeah. narrative, right? Like and a lot of my work yeah. has followed that in the sense that that's why I think it's been popular. And I, what I wanted to do now was like, okay, I'm in a position where I can take more risks. What would it mean for an audience to not like me? What would it mean for an audience to be pissed off with me, to feel uncomfortable, to feel angered? That's way more interesting for me right now. I hate the preface that we have to like someone for them to be free. Right? I think we're still in this space with trans people where they have to be inspiring in order for us to care about them. Yeah. And I care about the boring trans people. I care about the, the trans people that right. aren't nice and polite to you. Right. And so I wanted, and, and what, I was, was, what I was annoyed about is that with, I feel like within a liberal fear of feminism, no one thinks they're transphobic, right? Everyone thinks they, it's, all the questions start from how do I become a better ally, assuming that you're not an oppressor in the first place. Right. And what I saw when I was throwing a burger at in broad daylight was there was 200 people that all looked very, very different, do nothing. Yeah. And they all looked. One of them had a feminist tote bag on that on their shoulder. Right. Saw the burger hit. No one did anything. Mixed races, mixed ages, mixed genders. Right, like right? really, really across broad the board. Spectrum. And when I was being harassed whilst having this book, you know, yeah, most of the harassment that I document in this book happened from other cis women, not because I'm not harassed by men, yeah. but what I was more interested in talking about was like, hold on a minute, this is cis women that we don't often get to talk about the nuances in our violence, right? we talk about big, scary men yeah. and that's it. But, yeah. but actually for trans people, violence is coming from all angles and all spheres. And my violence normally comes from people that look like the middle class theater crowd that also celebrate me and call me inspiring. So this has been the last two years of, of, of people calling me inspiring, telling me I'm great, da, 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 da. also looking like the people that harass me in the street. Right. And what I want from burgers is to be like, okay, you thought you were comfortable. You thought you were going to come into a Travis show where you can get all this experience, but actually I'm going to fuck with you. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to this, like, experience. And I want people to want to leave. I want people to question consent. Like, I want to push some boundaries in audience participation that are maybe a bit rough. Because I think so much about consent and harassment and violence on trans people. Like, I want there to be a conversation about, like, was all of that okay? And I think it will be all okay and I will be able to justify it all. Yeah. But for example, no one's ever doing any, I'm never doing anything to someone else in the show. Everyone's always doing something to me. So the burgers are always being thrown at me. I'm yeah. never doing something to us. Oh, right. And I'm never going to grab someone's hand and make them throw the burger. So everything that's yeah. happening is all going to be like, them. Yeah. But there's going to be a question of like, shit, like when I just thrown that last burger, did I actually really want to throw it? Unfortunately, most of the people that come to my work don't share my identities. It's mainly like, you know I can look on Instagram and actually statistically see who my following is and oh. it's like all women from the age of 21 to 26 right like that's like 75% of my 20,000 people that are online with wow. me. most of the people that come to my shows are like white assigned female at birth folk queer right. or straight right. whatever feminists right? right and for me it was like well I know that those are the people that are going to be predominantly coming to my work and also who come to the theatre in London like I don't know if it's the same here but it's mainly middle class Yeah left-winging people, yeah, like slightly left-of-centre yeah. folks, right? Yeah. That come to, like, queer performance art. Yeah. Um, and, of course, with good outreach and good PR and good good connections and stuff, I'll bring other people through there, like, you like, know... Hence the team. Hence the team, and right. hence, like, just naturally, I think, being a more diverse space in a lot of these theaters, I'll bring people there by, like, lowering ticket prices for certain identities, all these things. I'll bring sure. people I want... But I was like, actually, you know what? I don't want to make... I'm actually going to make a show that's specifically for the people I think are going to come. Yeah. Rather than sometimes a lot of my work is, like, for queer and trans people of colour, but then I do it in these bigger spaces and there's not a lot of us there. Right. So I'm always trying to find the queer and trans people of colour in the room. Yeah. And I was like, actually, let me just make work kind of for the people that I know are going to come. Yeah. and, And push them and make an endurance test for them.
1: Yeah.
0: I hope that with editing it will become relevant to everyone. I think, like, we all need to no matter if we're like more oppressed than others or not or like on the axis of privilege I still need to learn about collective responsibility outside Mm -hmm. like there's definitely probably times when I've stayed silent and saw things about people so I do think it hopefully will be relevant for everyone but what I was really pushing the button of is like I really was going for like I want to make work targeted at the like self-identified feminist woman in their bio. When i'm doing stuff like college tours repeatedly that's when i feel the pressure yeah because that's when i'm like ah all these people have known me as inspiring and have known me as like their inspiration this, like, and girl. i have to be this thing where yeah. i'm not like i'm really messy and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> like i'm all these things that they're not seeing I'm you right, know
1: like human it's the first thing i like tell <laughs> like,
0: it's the first thing i tell like right. you know you have people coming up to you crying that they've never met you and you're like how do i like fathom yeah. this and you know yeah. it's because it's and you know it's not you know, it's completely understandable because you're like, damn, I did the same thing when I was that age and damn, it, like we don't have representation like this. Yeah. So of course we find it when we can, where we can. But I think actually Burgers is the most relaxing for that because I'm like, oh, like I really think this will be impossible for anyone to look at it other than as a piece of art. Yeah. Like I'm so excited for people to like critique my work. My name's Travis Alabanza and I started my day with a bagel and I recommend you do too. <laughs> <Yes>. Amazing. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you. So lovely to meet you both. Cool. That's it. Yeah? Okay. I think that's it. Unless you want to do like, like Oh like yeah, we and
1: gotta and do the thing. I'm Healy Wolf. And I'm Maura Conley. And you're listening to Handful of Wheel.
2: Great. Boom. Boom, Boom people.